live. We're recording. We're doing it. We're doing it. We got all the all the bugs worked out. <laughs> that was a was a challenging morning. You know what? Like these people actually have professional like recording studios. Like where are all the cords at? <laughs> yeah, it's clean looking. You know, you wish to get to that point, but you know, we'll just have to get like more duct tape and just tape stuff under the desk. Yeah, everything gets taped under the desk. <laughs> so go out. ahead, man. Kick us off on our, our, our I guess, uh, our inaugural, inaugural show. Yeah, our second <laughs> inaugural show. We finally got the name hammered out. The name is hammered out. Not half wrong. Not half wrong. I like it. I do, too. It took a lot of brainstorming and, and brain, you know, whatever you want to call it. That, just, it when it, your brain hurts. I think it's going to turn into, like, every episode, who's going to be considered more wrong. <laughs> That's I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> it's know? okay to be wrong, you know. You, just, you, know, you learn something. Yeah. It's okay. And obviously the whole the whole spin on that is that um, you know, you don't have to agree with every single thing we're saying, but you know, hopefully you'll pick up some valid points and you know, to the listeners that, you know, they'll gain something from it that they can maybe make a small pivot or change in how they're doing things and if that's all they get from it, well that was worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's what we're trying to do here and but you know, I think this episode specifically is gonna be a little more of a you episode. We're gonna dig into some of your stuff and uh Digging into how your techniques in management. I guess that's how we basically describe Technique it. Technique right? really refines it. That sounds like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, technique's a good way of, like, you've done so many other things wrong that you finally got some things right. Yeah, I learned the hard way. I do. <laughs> and then I tell people not to do that. And they're like, well, didn't you? That's yeah. This isn't about me. This <laughs> isn't about you. This isn't about you. It's all about improvement. But, yeah, so I thought maybe just go into, like, you know, before we talk about that stuff, but more about your i guess you could say credentials or like what companies that you're managing now how many employees that type of stuff maybe you can kind of just give us an overview yeah yeah so um you know we've got a a real estate brokerage that um you know we're we're semi-active with and we've got a couple agents that are out there hustling for us but um that kind of fell to the background and we we really take care of friends and family and some referrals that we get um, we still got the property management company that's going strong. You know, we manage about um, 100 units locally here in uh, mostly suburban markets. And I do a business partner in that. Um, we've got a delivery business with uh, one of the, uh, the largest retailers in the nation. Um, you'll recognize those blue vans without me saying who it is. Yep. And then we'll be referred to as Big Blue. Big Blue. That's a great way to put it. I, just, I don't get any phone calls saying, why are you talking about this? I'm like, well, I'm not. Um, and then uh, we've got a trucking company that uh, is two years old now. We just hit the two-year mark. And you know, we do coast-to-coast, and we do a lot of local stuff home every day. Um, we just started a repair shop garage. Um, we haven't started serving general public yet, um, but we are equipped to. Right now, we're just taking care of um, other fleets. And then most recently, which the, the deal is about to get inked, but we've kind of started already, is a uh, environmental company that we're partnering with. It's been established for a while. The owners have a lot of knowledge in the the DEP and the EPA and the regulations, and we're kind of coming in as a um, operations partner to really help them grow and expand. Nice. And then employee count, you know, our total is probably around 75, 80 right now. You know, it's um, when we get into like heavy season, which we're coming up on here with uh, the holidays, we'll probably scale it up to about 100. Cool. You Well, you must be managing something right because you're finding time to sit down diddle around with me on a podcast <laughs> completely stressed out that i'm here somewhere somebody's freaking out or you know something's was, blowing up somewhere some for major sure. catastrophe is going on for sure <laughs> but um yeah that's good yeah so you know obviously you didn't start out with all these businesses but you worked up to that that part but um you know obviously you got there by having good people around you i would assume and the right people that that you know you've you've taught and, and gotten to push some of your responsibilities to do and grow the business itself, right? Or no, that's absolutely accurate. Um, you know, one of the reasons that like our company profitability um, at at each individual level isn't as high as it probably could be is because I, I don't want to have to do it myself. And you know, a lot of these companies are smaller. You know, revenue is not always a good indicator of what your profit is. I mean, we, we have one business that does four million in revenue, and, and we're lucky if the profit at the end of the year is you know one hundred twenty thousand. And if you're like, well, why would you even do that business if you're handling that much? Well, there's a lot of tertiary benefits of being involved in that 
where they cover some portion of rent for a very large garage and shop that we have. And they help us scale because we're able to gain employees from it that sometimes transition into other roles and et cetera. So when I say they're small companies, like don't think small in revenue, just sometimes it's small in profit. Um, but when you have enough of them, you know, they kind of add up. And eventually, I'm sure there'll either be a consolidation or more of a, a wingspan approach where we're going to grow up more and, and hopefully it pays off. But my point in that is the reason the profitability isn't as high you know, from a margin standpoint is because we do have some better paid employees that can really run these companies, but they've also got the ability to scale and take on more stuff. And I'm very, very cautious when we hire people not to be like, this is your job. It's this piece of paper. I'm not going to. It's no, dude. You're coming to work with Zach. You know, and, and there's going to be a lot of weird stuff I'm going to ask you to do. Like, like today it might be managing a team of you know delivery drivers. Tomorrow you might be on an environmental site with me, help me lab pack containers. And and these guys are they're willing to do it. Now we don't pull everybody into that because some people are hyper focused. So my bookkeeper is not going to go out on site. She would. She would believe me. She would. <laughs> but uh, but you know, like I, I need her in the office making sure everything gets processed. But yeah, having that team in place for future scale, which is we're, we're very much in that growth mode, makes all the difference in the world. No, it's good. Yeah, yeah, listen, doing some things for you firsthand. I know that's you know one day, one minute you're doing this, next time, next minute you're you're off doing something completely different, which is you know great to like learn different skills and stuff like that. But it it, it is stressful coming from a firsthand perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I definitely uh, you know uh, figuratively cry myself to sleep. That's figuratively, not literally, but. It's like, hey, do you have an undershirt on? Why? Because we're going to go paint now. (laughs) We're going to go paint. (laughs) You know, I have to go to court for something. You know, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Everything's good there. But, you know, I guess, you know, when we get into some of the stuff, and I was, you know, writing the notes out for it today, and, you know, I just want to not make this seem like a management 101 course, but I I do think it's important that you you kind of put out some of the baseline stuff that's kind of helped you kind of grow your businesses and stuff. But, like, I guess like describing your management style and like maybe some of the like you broke it down in two ways like your self management and like also like management of others and stuff and how that they kind of interact with each other. Yeah, so you know the the important thing to note is I learned a lot of the the management method we'll call it now because technique seems way too refined and I don't think I'm there yet. But the method I learned was over the past four years. Um, you know, prior to that, I was in VP level roles and we had to oversee people. But at the end of the day, I was still very much accountable for a, a portion of production or performance. And only when I became self-employed and started requiring a team the size that it is, did I realize like, hey, I can't measure my own success anymore and what I produce today. It's what was I able to guide the team to accomplish. And I think a lot of people that kind of came up the way I did, kind of blue collar, then transitioned into this white slash gray collar role, they're hooked on what did I do today? And sometimes like it's not a tangible thing. Like you didn't build 20 widgets today, but you put out, you know, five or ten fires and saved a good employee that was having a bad day and made sure that X, Y, and Z got done. Hmm. You know, it's a little different like the I guess like the what do you want to call it? Like the quantification at the end. But you know, so we talked about types of management and like people are like, well, what's your management style? And it, like, if you had to be real blunt, it's like head on collision. And, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. But to really understand it and be successful, you have to break it into these categories of self-management, which kind of a buzzword. People used to call that time management and then everyone's like, well, you can't manage time. You have all the time in the world. And they're right. You know, you have to manage yourself to get these things done. And we'll, we'll touch on that. And then managing your overhead which are like your non-production employees which are your managers and and things like that you're going to manage them differently especially in like that inter-office environment than you are your production guys who your guys out either slinging packages building widgets whatever it might be and there's a very specific reason for the reason for that and then lastly I, i do want to talk about performance management which is kind of another level and then quickness to make determination on whether or not it employs the right fit or not excuse me um so so we'll get right into it you know it was self-management man um all these a lot of books that you read they tell you to plan your day and there's a big planner guy I'm a big calendar guy in my phone like there's a better way to do it because I think some people use like notes or they have an agenda so I have, um, you know, I've got an iPhone now. I finally 
gave up on Android, mm. which was a very painful switch, but now I'm glad I did. I got phone shamed yesterday for having an Android. <laughs> you know what? I argued for the longest time it was a better device, and it still is, but because so many other people use the iPhone with iMessage and FaceTime and everything else, you get handicapped because the population moved that way. Yes. If they'd all be on Android, bro, I'd be Android 100%. Yeah. But, but yeah. like, you know, what do you call it? Like cult mentality, or not cult, herd mentality is what's kind of pulled me into it. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> but anyway, so I have, you know, basically it looks like your Outlook calendar on your, on your phone. And I try to put in, you know, what I want to get done. And more importantly, what I've started doing is I, I took it from 30-minute blocks of time down to 15-minute. Mm. And like you talk to Elon Musk, I, I think he says that he books his in five minutes, which is incredible. I mean, that's why wow. you stay on task right there. Yeah. yeah. He's also an alien, but, you know, go ahead. Uh, I mean, <laughs> compared to all of us, man, he's on a different level. I'll yeah. tell you what. Um, but um, so getting into that. So I, I try to break it down out of the 15 minute gaps and I really try to get things done within that time period. Um, and then that way, at the end of the day, there's going to be some washover that didn't happen. And I immediately move them in my calendar to the next day. Mm-hmm. And I'll plug them in wherever I didn't have everything you know, somewhere booked. Now, with that being said, there's some other things I've stopped planning. I've pretty much stopped planning weekday social events. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, if I end up free, I'll be there. I know you don't like that answer, but I, I can't plan ahead to not work. You know, weekends are a different story. My wife kind of plans out the whole weekend. If I need to be somewhere, she tells me where to be. So, so that's that, that part of it. So, you know, so as you get into self-management, you know, and especially when you're running a company or you're in a higher level management role, you're going to get hit with a lot of unexpected. And they have this really cool analogy with the glass, the rock, sand, and water, where it's like, if you put the water in the glass first, which is like all the things you get hit with were totally unexpected. There's no room for the sand and the rocks, the rocks being the things you set out to accomplish, the sand being the, the less important than the rocks, but things you want to get done, the water being everything else. So if you put your rocks in the glass first, then you put your sand and then you put water, you get the key things done and whatever else blows at you during the day, it just kind of happens. Gotcha. You know, and I've, I've used that analogy to kind of train some of my managers on the mindset of like, dude, like, why didn't you do this? I asked you this. Well, this came up. I'm like, that's not even important, dude. You had to make a phone call. You're in the car for an hour today. Make a phone <laughs> yeah. call. So, so that's that. Uh, moving into um, management style on the, um, you know, the overhead side, your managers. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys, they need to carry out the message to the the production level employees. You know, the guys that are actually, what they're doing is adding value. Not that management doesn't add value. 100% they're necessary. But they're not the guys like pushing the button on the machine or driving the truck. Right. So when I manage those guys, it's a little bit more, those guys and girls. You know, so guys I'm using is gender neutral there. But uh, it's a little bit more, um, I want to say intimate. Okay, don't make that weird. You can take your hand off mine now. Okay, Um, where it's like a little bit more personal because, like, I know their backstory, I know their kids' names, I know when they have birthdays, I I know what's going on at home with wives or boyfriends or husbands, etc. So, there's a a little bit more of a connection there with those that you kind of can't look past when you're maybe judging them on something that went wrong. Like, hey, like, do I know more to the story that's going on that's kind of they're dragging this into work and it's messing them up? And you kind of have those conversations that are a little bit more bigger picture. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, with that being said, like sometimes like we'll have an issue with a manager. You know, and the managers are all like the inner circle here. Okay. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're not so big where I've got four levels. There's two levels of management. There's me and my managers. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not that big. So it's um, when they do something that I don't agree with or, you know, if they fail, it is the most direct and at first uncomfortable situation they've ever been in. It is not belittling and it is not offensive, but it is, hey, yesterday, let's just say we had a, an on-road accident, right? Because mm-hmm. those happen. I'd be like, hey, we had this on-road accident. You know what the process is. Step one, tell the driver to get pictures after you make sure they're okay and that the community member's okay or the other driver, Okay. Number two, um, make sure you get your packages out of your van because if not, they're going to tow your van with the packages. Then they can't get delivered. We'll send another driver out. Mm. Okay. Number three, make sure you get all the officers' numbers or info so we can get a police report. Number four, you got to go for an on-road drug test. Okay. So we're going to take you right to the place to do a drug test, make sure nothing shows up. And number five, I need an incident report at the end of the day. Mm Mm-hmm. 
well, let's just say we didn't get the incident report. Why didn't we get the incident report when we have all agreed this is the process? And agreement's key. Okay, like you don't just like roll things out. It's like, does everyone agree this is how we should do it? Yes. Okay. Any objections? No. Let's do it. All right. Why didn't it happen? Oh, I got distracted. I got distracted. Not acceptable. Why didn't it happen? Well, this they, they didn't come back here till 8. Not acceptable. Why did it happen? Because I didn't cause it to happen, Zach. Exactly. And then as soon as they identify that accountability as to why it didn't happen, and sometimes there's a really good reason that was out of their control, but it's always getting down to individual accountability. Mm. And when they get comfortable, Brian, telling you that, hey, this didn't happen. Brian, this didn't happen because me, Zach, I, I didn't get this done. Okay. Here's why. It's not an excuse. Here's why. And here's when I'm going to fix it. Is there anything left to talk about? Not really, no. It's over. It's over at that point. Yep, it's getting resolved. Again, you don't want to have repeat offenses, and we, we seldom do in this environment. But it's done. Like, if something needs to happen, okay, I, I know where I, I went wrong here. Here's how I'm going to prevent it from happening in the future. I've got a program for this. We're good. Hmm. So then you go through this whole thing of, like, trying to, like, like beat people down, which is what, like, these write-ups and stuff do. Just dings, keep what do they call that in corporate world? Dings. Yeah, the dings or the demerits or you know whatever it is. Like I got so many demerits at school. Yeah. It's like you're like you telling me accomplished the same. Well, why are you putting it in writing just to make me feel worse? Yeah. You know. And again, you got to paper the file, which we do. But for those guys, it's just like when you get to that level, they'll come to me now if they know something didn't meet the expectation or something went sideways, and they'll you know, hey, I just want to let you know this got out of hand. Here's why. Um, this is what we're going to do in the future, and here's how I'm fixing this scenario. Okay. Like when you get your guys to that level, man, it's easy, you know. And then the trust factor, because if you're going to be direct and you're going to be head-on collision like that when there's an issue, if they trust you, meaning like, hey, I'm not getting fired for this, they're just going to fix it, or I know he's not mad at me, he's just trying to curb this. You get a level of transparency from them that's you know second to none. Yeah, I think that's what you're, what you're trying to achieve i think at all times with that but you know i, I something I, I just wanted to bring up real quick was you know having some first-hand knowledge of this is like you know i think there's situations that come up and like you're, you're conflicted like all right like this is how i would personally do it but like how does zach want it to be done you know and how do you do you take autonomy on yourself and you rather have somebody just be really autonomous and make more mistakes and not do it exactly how you want it or do you want somebody that's you know, I think you probably prefer someone that's not trying to contact you 24 hours a day to say, oh, I have, I'm, have this minor like speed bump here. I need you to tell me how you want it done. That's a great point. And I almost don't even want to admit this, but the ones that have been there with me for like a couple years now, they kind of know what the expectation is and they know how I would handle it. And that's how they do it. Mm-hmm. But I don't want the, it's not about making me happy. It's about the best outcome for the company. So there's two things I say to these guys all the time. Number one, the company's bigger than I am. I'm just a guy. Mm-hmm. And, and number two, happy to be wrong. I, I said it right when you started off today. I tell them all the time I am happy to be wrong. Because if it comes up about how to handle something or, or information, if I'm wrong and they prove me wrong, either A, we found a better way to do it, or B, I got information that I didn't have before. So it is almost always a great thing for me to be wrong. You want to be wrong. I want to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there's ties. Like, I like, and I'll tell the guys, happy wrong. They feel very comfortable saying, I don't agree with this. Here's why. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll bring up that thing that, like, you didn't even think about. It's like, dude, that's a really good point. And then, like, one of the conversations we had, right, was about paying out PTO at the end of the year so I didn't have to carry this, this paid time off liability which in my head I wanted to do. It's like, well, we're always cash flow rich at the very end of the year. Let's pay this off in Q1. And then someone came out and said, well, hey, some of those people don't want that money now. I'm like, why would they not want their, their PTO if they didn't take it? They can, well, they can still take PTO. You know what I mean? If they want off, they'll take off. But what a lot of people do, and I hate to say it, is especially in the production level, when they leave because they're like, hey, like, I don't want to work here anymore for whatever reason. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. That's like their two or three weeks of saved up over or a pay uh-huh. that now carries them till they get the next job. You'd actually almost be screwing them up by giving it to them now. And like this right. was mind blowing to me. I'm like, guys, right. I could pay out like eight, nine hundred dollars to some of these people right around Christmas. Who doesn't want that? And they're like, dude, like, don't do it. You know, and it, it's we it's didn't. Yeah, we changed it. I mean, that might that might also be a big blue thing with some of how their employee turnover is. I think. Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll uh, you know turnover's crazy. 
like absolutely insane. We should talk about that if we have time. Okay, we'll circle back. So, so that you got the whole rundown, the operations thing. It, it's circle of trust. It's head on collision. Like I don't want to leave the office with any static whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I tell them that, like, if I sit with my employees, kind of has like a scowl. Okay, <laughs> like they're a little assy with me that day. Yeah, I'm gonna try to tell them like a red ass like, about like, something. Dude, I obviously you're upset about something. Either something I did or a decision I made. Can you not walk around here with a scowl and just tell me what it is? You know what I mean? And sometimes, and again, it's not always about me. Sometimes, dude, I, I'm having something really hard going right now with my mom. And I, you know, I just, well, dude, go home. Mm-hmm. You know, did you get everything done that has to get done for the company to operate? Yeah, go home. I'll pay you for the day. Go home. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because you're you're dragging everybody else you're down being it, here. Yeah. And I get it. You're a good employee. You got stuff going on. Like, get going. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, and maybe, you know, just a comment on that and like, yeah, I've no, just a little background. I've known you for a long time, pretty much coming up 15, 16, yeah. close to 20 years maybe. Yeah, I don't know if it's maturity or just, you know, growing into it. And you know, we're talking about like what would Zach do type of thing in a, in a situation. I think you're a lot more predictable now. Not Like maybe it's easier to gauge, all right, what's best for the company? What, what would kind of, how would Zach handle this in this situation? I can use my autonomy to figure it out. Whereas, you know, early on in your career, I think you're, you had a little bit of a wild side to you. Yeah, loose cannons. Know, loose cannons. Yeah. I, I don't want to say it, you said it, so I'll repeat yeah, it. But I knew you were going with this. You know, it's not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. You just you 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 make some decisions sometimes that like you know I just wouldn't think of to do. Maybe they were the right decisions. Maybe they weren't. But you know that it was harder to gauge. All right, what, what would Zach's game plan be in this situation? I think it's a lot easier now. But yeah, you know, maybe you've made that. Maybe you've evolved that way to. Be more like more for the company, but like predictable where you want your managers to know how you would you would attack. A that's what it, that's what it takes to keep them, and and being in the corporate world. So this is this is after you and I had done a lot of multi site construction work together, which was stressful as could be running around trying to get stuff done. Okay, and before we kind of moved into our corporate roles together, I guess it was after that also because we worked together at um, at student housing place before. Uh, when I went into like regular corporate world and I saw like what it's like to work for a publicly traded company and the paperwork and the backstabbing and the cloak and dagger, it's like two people in the office would have some issue. Everyone behind the scenes knew about it and nobody addressed the two people that had an issue. They talked about it and who they agreed with and who they didn't agree with. And they're trying to paper this file before they pull them in. That's a waste. Get the two of them in here, hash it out. Figure it out. Put it to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like now we're not talking about something that requires investigation, like a sexual harassment issue. Okay, this is just like typical. Like somebody thinks this, this tire should go in here. Somebody thinks that tire should like silly stuff. But yeah. so if there's an issue, get the two in the same room. And the other thing I do too, and this is actually, oh, this is so good you brought this up. When an employee comes to me to talk about another employee, they know I'm immediately going to call the subject they're talking to, put them on speaker and say, all right, what did you just say to me? Because I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear you coming to complain to me about somebody else. If the two of you haven't already tried to work it out before it gets to me, it's mm-hmm. a problem. Because mm. I don't need to be involved in that. Now, I'll get, I'll intervene sometimes when I just like two people get real hot-headed, which doesn't happen often. But like, you guys need to get along. You know, trust each other. And I can actually, I'm pretty good at building this trust. And we did some team events now that really went well. Um, but it's like, dude, get like get over it. Like, this right. is not what we're here for, to like argue about who's going to play in your sandbox today. Yeah. Ego stuff. Yeah, can't be an ego, man. Yeah. Kill the ego. Who cares? Listen, if I give you Project X to get done and, you know, Bobby does 75% of it, you still got it done. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah. done. Yeah. I don't care who did it. Right, and yeah, then, and then one person accountable—that's a fan favorite. Okay, like when there's more than one person accountable, nobody's accountable. It doesn't mean you're not going to need help. Other people are going to be involved. But like, if I'm like, "Hey, this is your project," I'm not going to talk to them and ask them what they did. It's Brian. Did you get your project done? Mm-hmm. Don't tell me so and so didn't do it. You didn't cause them to. Right, right. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's how that usually goes. And I, I bring up like the you know, working for that that publicly traded company, and you know we both. You know, worked for that company at the same time, and it was yeah. uh, I, that job taught me so much about the corporate world. Big and, corporate, you know. It's, yeah. And I strictly work in the car business. Other than that, and like 
the car business is totally different. Dealership life and like car companies, they don't operate the same. It's, it's a whole nother thing. But that, that corporate like environment was crazy. I, I don't know. Like it was a lot of ego stuff. It was like you want the credit, credit, like the credit for something of like someone else took. Like it's just constantly fighting for, for yeah. that. You know, because that's how you get promoted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it's people get somebody. This is not my quote. Okay, I, I wish I could give credit to whoever it was, but people get promoted to their level of inefficiency. So basically, everybody moves up the corporate ladder till you don't have the mind, the skill, or the ability to keep going. So what does that mean? You've got promoted one level further than you should have. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. Because if you're not still progressing, you're, you're dead in the water. And for whatever reason, it's frowned upon to move people down. It's like, hey, man, like we gave this. And I've done it. And I found the way to do it. It's not going to work every time. But I say, hey, I gave you a shot in this role. We both thought you could do this. For whatever reason, you're not succeeding here. Hmm. Okay, there's a pay change, and I'm sorry to tell you that, but if you'd like to stay with the company, which I hope you do, I'm going to move you back to the role you were in where you were truly successful. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, man, that is a weight off their shoulders. Mm-hmm. It's like you just, you know, save somebody in their life. Like, oh, thank God. Man, this was killing me. This job was stressing me out. They don't want to tell you that. Like, hey, I can't do this. Yeah, nobody wants to say that. That's right, yeah. right. So it's, you kind of have to, like, realize you to recognize it for them. It. Yeah. yeah. And that had a lot of a lot of good success. So, moving on, we'll, we'll talk about production level employees, right? So this one's good. This is like the warehouse worker, and, and we're gonna go back to the days I delivered beer, okay, in high school. Old Zach beer delivery. Yeah, yeah. As a co-op man, eighteen years old, slinging Miller Lite after you know I went to school for half a day. It was awesome. But um, we worked in this like in the warehouse. You got to palletize everything, right? And then like the the side loader gooseneck trucks go out to all the local bars, and you know every pallet or two pallets is for them. So it's got forty different beers on this pallet. So mm-hmm. we go through and build them, wrap them in saran wrap, take them over with the thing, load them on the truck. Okay, standard process. Mm-hmm. Um, well, every once in a while, one of like the We'll call it like not suit and tie, but like button down managers will come out with their dress shoes on in the warehouse. We're all in like blues with steel toe boots. And they come out and they'd be like, Hey, we gotta get this done faster. And and for a period of maybe ten minutes, they would grab an order and they would stack a pallet. And we all developed a pace that you can maintain for an eight hour day. And plus keep in mind too, like it's it wasn't uncomfortable because they're storing beers, so there was some HVAC, but it's hot in the garage in the, in yeah. the or in the warehouse in the summer. This guy would come out and do it. And yeah, he would do it fast and he would do it right. right? But he'd be completely soaked through on his armpits. <laughs> he'd have a sweat stain down his back. He'd be trying not to show you he's losing his breath. And they'd be like, that's how it's done, boys. Now come on, keep going. And then go back in the, the air-conditioned portion of the office. And it's like, well, bro, I can come out and do that for 10 minutes and go sit in you know 70-degree air conditioning all day. That's not hard. So the point is... None of us respected that type of, you know, what do you call motivation to work harder. What we did respect was one of the older gentlemen, who just happened to be older, but he was a manager, who would work with us all day long, and he would keep the pace and keep going. He wouldn't stop and go out and smoke a cigarette. He would work with us till the job was done. Mm-hmm. And when he said, come on, guys, pick it up, let's go, we listened. Mm. Because it's like, well, if he's doing it, I'm <laughs> like, yeah, well, 18 at the time and he's 64. Yeah, like, limber, I, man. I better keep going. I should be working faster than that dude is. You know what I mean? Um, so what that comes down to with our production team, I don't have that, that intimate knowledge of everyone's home life and family life and kids' names and everything else mm-hmm. when I'm out there. But what they see a lot of times, and I'm trying to get out of this, man, because we're getting so big that I, I have to really take on more of a leadership role and less of a working role. Mm-hmm. I just It's hard for me to take my hands off. And that's that whole productivity versus, like, what did you accomplish type thing. But, um, like, when they see me out in the garage and they come down, hey, I got a headlight out, or, hey, my brakes are weird, and my mechanics are already tied up, if I got old clothes on, Bring it up on the lift, dude. Just stay in the van. I'll take care of it. Mm. So then they see, you know, the owner of the company, you know, quick unbolting your wheels, pulling your calipers apart, throwing brakes on, and I still have you out the door in 15 minutes, assuming it was something easy. Yeah. I mean, they're just like, wow, like, thank you so much. Hey, man, my <laughs> pleasure. They don't even know I'm the owner. 
They think I'm the mechanic. <laughs> and then later, they'll go to one of my managers and be like, yo, that guy's awesome. They're like, yeah, it's Zach. He owns a company. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's, there's no value in them knowing that. I'm just another guy yeah. on the team trying to help just, them out. So so that, that being willing to get your hands dirty, and I've done this multiple times in other jobs also, where you work with these guys, it's like, hey, like you're not doing anything that I'm too good to do. I, I collect the trash okay, in the garages, so probably more than anybody else does. Yeah, because it's not it's not a job where it's like this is your punishment. No, it has to happen. It's equally as important as everything else we do. Let's keep the place neat. Mm-hmm. So that way, when I because I and this all started, I asked somebody who hit the trash, and they gave me this look like, "What did I do wrong?" <laughs> no, like, dude, it just has to happen. Like, it's not a punishment. So now that they kind of see me doing it, they'll just start doing it also. So again, it's more of a lead by example for the the production and, and labor level employees, and I think it is sometimes for the overhead. Mm. The overhead need a little bit more nurturing, um, you know, positivity, understanding, and stuff like that. But they're also working more hours, man. Like your labor is usually forty hours a week. Overhead yeah. might be sixty five. Yeah, you know I mean, so it catches up. Yeah, no, that's good, and that's that's interesting that happened, you know. But yeah, you are hands on. I mean, there's a lot of you know skills that you possess like not every owner of a company is going to throw on a set of brake pads and or know how to do it yeah you know, they, they got to that position by not doing it basically you know? right right that's, <laughs> that's exactly right and then, and then you have the ability to train all your guys too yeah and you'd be surprised that we just we just hired this one guy who's at like a, a chain like like a jiffy loop type places where he came mm. from and i see him doing it i'm like dude what are you doing he's like what do you mean this is like i've done 100 sets of brake pads like i'm like Oh my God! I'm never going to that franchise again. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it wasn't. They would probably have been fine, but there was just such a better way to do it. And I, I showed this guy this, and he's like, "That was so easy." I'm like, "But do you see how, like, if you do it this way, you're going to get more longevity?" It was just about wow. where to put grease and things on calipers. Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, I get it." <laughs> I'm like they teach. Yeah, the manager taught me to do it this other way. I'm like, "Well, it's faster for sure, bro." <laughs> but yeah, yeah. but that's mean, it. That, that's something that you know I. Like that's the way they did it forever, so that's how they should do it. You know, I think yeah. that's like it's such a big thing in corporate world, and you know, even my job too. Like, you just all right, we did it that way for a million years. Is there any reason why we shouldn't look at doing it another way or doing it better? You know, like I, I hate that mentality of like, oh, we're just going to do it this way because in 1950 that's how they did it. You know, or that that's the type of stuff that gets businesses out. I feel like you know that. It, well, now listen, it's it's that that failure to to grow or why did it happen? So here's a good one for you, okay? Rail railway spacing, like the rails that a train goes on, and and I got to look up the right number, but I think it's like four foot eight inches or something like that, right? Yeah. Do you know why it's this arbitrary four foot eight, or say it's five foot four, four foot eight, whatever it is? Do you know why it is what it is? No idea. It's that width because back when they built the roads for wagons, okay, that's how wide the wagon roads were. And they found that if they built the roads this wide so that all the wagons were consistent, that they could kind of go through the ruts of all the other wagons, Mm -hmm. they'd have less broken wheels and everything else. So then it goes to, okay, well, how did the wagons end up originally that width? (laughs) And this goes back to the Roman Empire when they made all the roads in cobblestone, they were just wide enough to accommodate two horses' asses. Right? So kind now, of like this now, room right now. Let's see, two horses. Right. <laughs> Not half right, half wrong. <laughs> so, so that's where it came from. Now, you look at the solid fuel rocket boosters that are used on most um, spaceships. Okay, those real big things that go on the side that drop off after they're done right. burning. The people that designed them said, well, yeah, we'd like to make them bigger. Well, make them bigger. Yeah, I mean, because then you could use solid fuel further or make them less tall. Well, we can't. Why? Well, because there's a tunnel that the train has to go through that moves these rocket boosters to the launch site. Okay, and this is wherever it is. Well, why isn't the tunnel wide? Well, when they built the tunnel, it was built just wide enough to accommodate the train tracks, which the train tracks came from the wagons and the wagons Mm. came from the horses. So the reason the most sophisticated thing in the world right now, which is rockets, can't be better or bigger is because of horses 2,000 years ago. Right? Insane. Uh, listen, it's insane. I guess they would call that the butterfly effect, you know? Yeah, something, Some little thing. So, yeah. so again, you look at that continuous improvement. You look at ways to, hey, why do we always do it this way? And why can we change it? Let's change it. 
Now, again, changing the entire railroad infrastructure of the United States isn't a great example, yeah. but why not change it? Yeah, it's, you know? it's a, I think that's a mentality that, that needs to work there. But yeah, just to touch on something else here. Yeah, I, shoot, man. You know, and I thought that was good. You know, to end on two horses' asses. That's, <laughs> that's how every episode. That just made me think of it. Yeah, it's a great, <laughs> great thought good. process. Um, you know, I, I guess. And you brought you have some really good points, but like, how did this is kind of cookie cutter here? But like, how did you? How do you improve yourself? Like, are there things that you do that, you know, on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis, do you look back and say, all right, this is the things I can do better? Do you look for education? Do you look for, you know, podcasts? Or do you, do you have, like, people you look up to in, in, in your field that you try um, to get from? I, I've got some really smart guys that I worked for in the past um, that sometimes if I have, like, something I'm just trying to solve, like this trust thing I'm going through right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I was trying to figure it out for the longest time. I talked to a lot of people about, hey, like, are you guys using a trust, you know, for the asset protection side of it or, or, or for the, um, you know, the inherent tax benefits of it? And that was a real, like, hey, I don't know anything about this. Like, I, so professionals, accountants, banks, lawyers, attorneys, you know, the, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really started digging there. But that was, like, more of an acute thing I'm trying to, I heard about, and now I'm trying to get the answers. I'm not a big reader. I never have been. And, and that probably attributes to, like, I'm guessing, like, the ADD, ADHD, you know, which I, I used to take. You know, it wasn't riddle of Vyvanse, okay? Mm-hmm. I stopped taking it because Vyvanse really screws with your sleep, and then you're like a zombie. So I kind of found a way to just like structure my day to where I had enough different stimulus to overcome it. Mm. And again, that's a long story, but that's why I don't really read. So I kind of ditched the self-help books. A lot of them, like if you're going to read a self-help books and you can personally poke holes in it, like the dude who worked the five hour, wrote the five hour workday, that guy probably spends 80 hours a week promoting his book. Where's his five hour workday at? <laughs> yeah. Or work week, whatever it was, five hour work week. You know, it's like that doesn't really work. Sure, it sounds neat if you have a muse, like a t-shirt company that you're just going to set up and people are going to come buy it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but like you can't really run a successful business on five hours, you know, without doing anything else. Yeah. Really. So maybe you could have five businesses and work five hours a day on each and then it's a 25-hour week. Maybe that's more possible, you know, but that's not the gist of the book. So, so I kind of stopped reading the self-help books. Maybe something new will come up. Um, if I see, like if I'm on TikTok, right, like scrolling through that at night yeah. just because I'm bored and they'll come up like top five things to read to improve yourself, I'll hit the cliff notes on Google, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like, like what were the main points of Rich Dad, Poor Dad? And then boom, there's the bullet point fashion. Okay. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if instead of writing those books, they just like dropped a bullet point on you? <laughs> just dropped a bullet point. Yeah, it is. Like here's yeah. the five points that I'm going to save you like 26,000 words on. <laughs> You know, the time to do and it. if you're interested in learning more about this bullet point, here's a synopsis. You know, like yeah. that'd be neat, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. no, that, that that's and, and you mentioned TikTok. It's funny because like you know, I see those. I, I'm in the sales field, so like you know, it's anything that's like you know, improve your sales, improve how you communicate with customers. Like so, it, like it's helpful to me. But like, I feel there's such a big spectrum of these help things. Like I, I find like I, I'll watch a little TikTok video of a guy. He just him on the call just giving you tips on how to like not sound like you don't want to sound salesy to people you just want to be helpful and like i know who you're talking about i love this guy I would, yeah I would, he probably he does him. a lot of his own videos this guy's yeah. fantastic what is do you know his name is? <sighs> i don't know but uh, yeah he's always doing he's like, one that tells a story about like like picking up the girl and what'd you have for dinner last night pasta well why wouldn't you eat pasta again why would i do the same to that one you know the whole story <laughs> yeah i, I love this guy's awesome he's got to figure it out there's some really helpful things and they help you like on, on a day like i might just look at it for a few minutes and like man that's gonna maybe i'll just try that today on a call just It'll helpful, but like then I see like you got to wake up at five a.m. and me like cross that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not going to lead to today's success. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I, and then I see like you know the car sales one. Like there's these like maniacs. They look like they they're like completely strung out on like whatever energy. They look drink. like the inflatable thing in front of the car. Yeah, they're just like, it's like a whole crew, and they're like they sound like army generals. Like we're never gonna we're gonna sell every customer every car deal. It's like. Like, bro, come on, man! Like, that's like, not get the this hell out of here, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah, and they they're, they're like on steroids, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Like, it's it, like they got the tight shirts and the tight like 
you know, khakis yeah. and stuff, and they're just like flexing, like, oh, we're never going to take the media. Like, <laughs> Monday, Monday, Monday. <laughs> Seriously, like, I'd love to see that person in a car dealership trying to do that stuff. Like, it just doesn't work. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that's fluff, man. It's just like the guys talking about real estate when they, they you know, we talked about this in the last video. Like, they, mm-hmm. they say, oh, like, why does this property make so much? Just divide this and this. Like, there are so many variables that you're leading people down the wrong road to think it's that simple. They're going right. to lose their money. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to take the time to be a, a real estate professional on investment, give them the whole picture. And there's a lot of good books out there that cover this. Yeah. You know, and people, that's too complicated. Like, I was at this, I, I used to go to this meetup, and we're going off on a tangent here. I'll bring us right back. <laughs> and uh, it was local, and there was a lot of, like, small investors. They own, like, one or two units or maybe a couple four-unit buildings, whatever. And I went in and I did a, um, a a real estate level, real estate investment trust level presentation on how to value real estate. And I just got like these blank stares everywhere. And the person who invited me like kind of took the microphone and was like, it doesn't have to be this hard. <laughs> you know, you can do it just by looking at simple. I'm thinking, well, you're, you're right. You could get lucky. But... If you really want to do a good analysis on a property and do your due diligence, like you got to know all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like oh well, rental permits are insignificant. If your rental permits are two hundred fifty bucks every two years and your total revenue is only five grand, that's a significant percentage yeah. when you look at your cash on cash return. But whatever. So coming back to it, um, one of the other things we had on the list was um, performance management. Mm-hmm. Okay, we touched on this kind of briefly throughout the the talk um, for. Production level employees, we do use write-ups. And very directly, the write-ups are strictly a tool to combat unemployment that shouldn't be granted. I'm a big stickler on unemployment. If you earned it because I hired you and I put you in a role you couldn't be successful in and it's my fault, you should get unemployment. If you just didn't want to work, I will fight you all day long to make Mm -hmm. sure you don't get unemployment. That's not what it's for. That's not why good American citizens pay taxes and contribute to this. Okay? It's for those that were potentially wronged, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I fight it, and I fight it hard. If I had to lay somebody off, absolutely, collect unemployment. That's what it's there for. Okay? But if it's just like you were lazy and didn't show up to work, no, I'm fighting yeah, it's different, and I'm documenting it. So that's usually the extent that we use that. Most everything else, and we're fortunate in some of the businesses that we work in, I'm able to really do a good job with metrics. So we give everybody the metrics. We have a scorecard, okay? Mm -hmm. So you know right away if you're performing or not. And we won't get into the details of the scorecard, but it's so blatantly obvious that, like, you can make a decision right there if this company's right for you. Because, like, you got to hit your numbers. And these aren't sales numbers. This is just if you are, and I mean this literally, if you are just doing your job right throughout the course of the day, you've hit all your numbers. Hmm. It's not about how fast can you run, how many widgets can you build, how fast can you do this. It's just if you do your job correctly and safe, you've hit them all. Hmm. Okay. And you'd be surprised how many people can't do it right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So how we many? coach on that. We coach on hard metrics. I see. Where it's like, here, this is what you need to improve. Here's how you can improve it. Choose wisely. Choose <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not like some unattainable goal or something just made up. It's a moving target every day. It just frustrates a lot of people. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's been the performance side. The management, my management team's getting direct feedback from me almost every day. Uh, and I'm not that I'm on them micromanaging. It's just like, hey, this came up. Boom. Hey, do great job of solving that. Like, let's like make sure everybody knows that's how we did this. So next time we do it the same way. You know, that kind of stuff. I see. And then uh, lastly, terminations, right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody likes terminating people, man. We kind of have this thing that we, we jokingly call auto fire, mm-hmm. all right? And it's a derivative of the scorecard where it's like the employee like just realizes the job's not for them. Yeah. And they just kind of stop showing up, you know, which sucks. Like I'm a big notice guy. Like, hey, if you quit and give me two weeks notice, I will give you the best recommendation you've ever had when your next employer calls me. Mm-hmm. I might even help you find another job. Okay, but when you just stop showing up, I don't know you anything. Yeah, that's not. That's you know, go. you got paid every time you're supposed to. The equipment was here for you to use, and we had a job for you. You know, like that's that's our side of the deal. I create a safe work environment. I give you the equipment, and I pay you on time. Your job is to show up and do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I. That's <laughs> so you don't uh, you don't uh 
fire people via like text message or something? Um, typically not. Okay. okay. Um, I think that's happened by some younger managers that I had and the age of the manager and the age of the employee was actually probably socially acceptable. I just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. So I put a stop to it. I see. I knew where you were going with that after you brought that up, <laughs> you know, and it was like, Hey, like if now again, sometimes we just can't get a hold of people and the text yeah. messages, Hey, you're supposed to be here today. This is your third no call, no show. If you fail to show up today, you're no longer part of the team. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. But if it's a, a otherwise performance-based thing, like explain to them why, if it's not glaringly obvious, because mm. we owe them that. And they've adopted that pretty well. I got you. I got you. Maybe this is a good time to get you. Uh, this is kind of a jokey one. Little, jokey, jokey. Little, little thing here. Lighten <laughs> it up here from a bit. Yeah, we've been, we've, been, we've been hitting the hard notes here today, man. <laughs> Maybe this isn't lightening up. I was going to ask you about like, some, some horror stories. You know, you know, you've been in a management role for a long time, but. You know, was there something that happened in your maybe even our our corporate job or, or you know, at a previous position where it's just like a, a total failure on the your manager's part, where you just this is something we used seen that like you said if you're ever in that role, you're never going to do. That's a tough one, man. Yeah, I feel like you have an idea in your head of what it should be. <laughs> Do you want to give me a hint? (laughs) (laughs) Little hints here. I don't know. You know. No, I um. You know what? It's it's um. There's got to be some separation between you and your employees for one thing. Like, don't get too close to them. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's an important one. Now, it doesn't mean you guys can't go out and and bowl together. Doesn't mean you can't go out to eat together. It doesn't mean that you can't invite them and their spouse over for dinner. Mm -hmm. Okay. But when it comes to work, there still has to be that understanding of like, hey. We might be what we call friends now because we're so close and we work together frequently. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you still have to perform. And and a lot of times I think when people get in close with their boss, whoever it might be, and this happens at all different levels of management, they get a little lax. Oh, he's not going to say anything to me. It's all right. Well, even if that person doesn't say anything to you, the other employees get negatively impacted because they see you getting see away it. with it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that portion of it gets overlooked. You okay. Know? But, um, you know, uh, it, it, there's, I mean, there's so many things I've learned personally growing. Nothing that like really stand out. I was like, yeah. oh my God, this is a total disaster. But, um, yeah. Maybe just not a specific thing, but what's like something that you just didn't like when, if you had a manager in the past, like what was just a quality in them you didn't like that was just bad? And you said to yourself, wow, that's. You know, maybe not a specific thing, but like, you know, are they lazy? Are they just complacent or, you know, not caring? Like, what's like not caring is a big part of it. If if you're not here to see this company succeed and you're just here for a paycheck, mm-hmm. don't work here. And I'll tell people that frequently. I tell some of my top level managers that, hey, if you're not happy, don't be here. Because mm-hmm. quite honestly, I don't want you here if you're not happy. You don't want to be here if you're not happy. Go do something else. Because pretty soon, if this doesn't change, I'm going to help you get happy. Because <laughs> you're not going to be here. You know? And and you do it delicately, though. Like, it's not in a smart... Like, I'm joking about it now, but it's not in a smart-assy fashion. It's a pretty serious emotional conversation. Like, like, hey, what's going on? Are you just over this? Are you burned out? Are you stressed out? Is the team driving you nuts? Because we do have quite the team to manage, okay? Just just because of the, the nature of work that one of our companies is in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just like, man, I'm tired. Well, do you need a break? How much PTO do you got? You want to take a couple days off to this? Well, I, I do, but I, I don't want this to slip or I don't want to miss my bonus or whatever. Like, listen, mm-hmm. if you really need time off, like, we're going to figure it out. That's the whole point of it. Right. PTO is not a trap to see who takes vacation. PTO is you guys are going to go through hell, mm-hmm. take some time off. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's that's what it's for. How do you feel about uh, unlimited PTO at a company? I don't see how it's productive. You know, I don't even know what that means. 
unlimited well that's it. like brian why don't i just pay you to hang out and be brian yeah <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like you'd be better off getting a sponsorship to play you know whatever video game yeah yeah really i i you know i've heard some because like you know that's the buzzword today like corporate like oh we're gonna give you unlimited pto but like you know you're gonna have a credit the score you know performance score and if you take more pto the lower your score right well, that's like a catch-22 like we have this catch twenty two metric on on the one company that comes down to how on one level you get scored poorly if your employees are performing bad, and then on the other side you get scored poorly if you're firing people for performing bad. Okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, think think about this. Right, I think my brain just went into like a yeah. a, a mental jiu-jitsu right there. So I guess I mean, listen, if if you were a really big company. And you could afford to really have acute focused jobs for individuals. I don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. My guys got to be able to do everything. And a lot of them, the people we pick to hire and bring in, they enjoy that change of pace every day. Yeah. Like one day they're on a computer, one day they're doing payroll. And payroll sucks, man. It's just like so, like, because I'm really like, make sure it's perfect. The next Did day, you? yeah, the next day they might be like, <laughs> Can I just run vans to wherever they need to go to get fixed? Yeah, yeah man, just go jump in a van and do that today. No problem. You know what I mean? Okay. But going back to it, if we were big enough where I was like, hey, if you've done X, Y, and Z to the one, two, three level, you've done your job. I don't care what you do. Yeah. Now, we have that to an extent now. I just can't. Literally, the profitability isn't there to hire enough people so that everyone can just be done. Yeah. And I've never worked anywhere where you were just done. Like, there were things that could wait, so you took time. Okay. What about C squared when we were done? I hated it. (laughs) I hated it. We worked. It was awesome, though, man. It was cool. We worked at this place where we had a very specific and daunting job. Brian and I worked there together, um, just for the people listening here. And we accomplished what we were supposed to accomplish. Think of it as like building something, okay? It wasn't building, but it's a great analogy. We had to build this house by December. Well, we were done in like September. And then we're calling corporate going, hey, what what should we do? They're like, just show up and hang out there. I said, dude, I'm not going to drive an hour and a half down here every (laughs) day to do nothing. They're like, well, there's some reports you have to do. I can do them from home. You have to be there. We got so bored. Yeah. So then we tried to help our neighbor build their house, which is literally same company, different asset. And then they got pissed. They're like, dude, like, no, 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 don't build our house for us. Like, what are we going to do for the next two months? I'm like, are you serious, guys? Like, we could be done here. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was an interesting thing. Time. So I would never want to be in that role again. That's such a great <laughs> point after we just talked about, like, once you do your job, you're done. Yeah. I would never want to be done. I'd go crazy. Uh, yeah, no, that was... <laughs> but you know what the handicap was? It wasn't like we could go travel the world. Like, we still had to be there. Right. So we were driving... You were, your, your commute wasn't as bad as mine, but I was right. driving an hour and a half one way to sit there. Go, we would go get breakfast. Yeah. We'd go to the food truck where Andy had the amazing teriyaki chicken. Oh, right? We'd eat lunch. Then we, it was so bad. Then we ended up started, like, drinking yeah, around, like, 3, 4 day. o'clock because they were like, hey, at 3 o'clock there was no reports due, so we were officially done for the day. Right. And then we'd go get a load on, and then I'd have to sober up and drive home. <laughs> I tell people this. I tell people, like, explain that to people, and they look at me like, how did this occur? Like, like it's such an anomaly. Like, I was like, yeah, that's just, like, we would we would plan, like, we would just plan, like, going out golfing or doing yeah. something. Like, it's like, yeah, let's go do this. And, you know, we had some, some people working in the office that were just handling, like, the day-to-day, like, administrative stuff, and it's like, oh, this is great. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and you know what the crazy thing was? Remember, we like straight up asked, like, did we do a good job? No one would give us feedback. Right. They just pretended we didn't exist anymore. I'm like, bro, are we gonna get paid tomorrow? Like, like, what's yeah. going on here? It's because they they didn't do it themselves, and they they were not. Well, no, but remember that was a whole publicly traded company thing. They didn't want to release how quickly the house was built. Right. Okay. And again, we're using like code here. Yeah. Because the next year they would have been expected to build the house in the same speed, and it wouldn't have happened. Because right. it was no longer a new house. Yeah, they wanted a bigger house. People are they... scratching their heads like, what is that house? <laughs> what is this house? Why yeah. is it a secret? Yeah, they, they did another house and it was bigger by a good margin and wanted it done in the same time frame. Yeah, and then, yeah. then it would have got screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I was part of that too, you know. But yeah, no, that's uh, that was a fun time for sure. It was interesting. Um, 
But it, it, you know, and I, I, you brought up something too, like you don't want your job to ever be done. You're never done. And something I, I read the other day was like, you know, how small businesses operate is like, you know, you take on a project, you, you know, in your head, there's no way I can do it in this time frame. You just grind until it's done. You know, like you take on something that's bigger than what you're probably able to do and you work to the bone to get it done. And then that's what gets you to the next level type of thing. It, it is. And we just did a project like that with this new environmental company where like zero planning couldn't even set a goal because I didn't even know what the expectation should be on this. This is how new it was, like mm-hmm. something I've never done before. And we got all these people to come out of the woodwork, man, and come out and help us out and get, get this project done. And, um, you know, a lot of friends and families of employees, because I couldn't cross-employ my, you know, guys because they're on the road. Yeah. Like, hey, like, do you have, like, a, a sister or a brother that's, you know, at least 21 years old that wants to come here and do this? And, and they did. And, and we ended up with, like, 17 people on one day and 15 on the other. And this was a weekend, a Saturday and Sunday. These guys mm-hmm. showed up to help us get this job done. <laughs> Um, but but wow. again, it's just like we're just gonna make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like my, and we've talked about this analogy before. Like I always felt like I was like the kid with like that that box where you drop the star in the star hole and the square in the square hole, the circle. But I'm the kid where it's like I'm just hammering the square into the circle, and it's like I'll get it in there. You know what <laughs> well, I mean? Eventually. Yeah. Eventually, it's like shit. <laughs> like if anybody's listening, can make a logo of like a kid just like splintering the hell out of a block of wood to hammer it yeah. into a circle. I, I, that's perfect. <laughs> Zach's face on it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just overlay my face on it. <laughs> but that's kind of like that will to succeed. Like you just use willpower to get it done. I see. Yeah. No. That's you know if you're can a business really thrive and grow if they're just taking on really minuscule like like stuff that's not big or they're just maintaining you know what i mean it's, you should always be trying to do more of a, a bigger thing to to grow you know? i think so you know and there's a lot of companies that have stopped growing mm-hmm. now some of it are tied to the economy the opportunity wasn't there but think how many like mom and pop shops there are that never want to get bigger and growing's a pain painful process because yeah at some point, you actually lose profitability because you have to hire more people, and then there's going to be more incidents as you're going through this until you get to the next level. So it's absolutely it can be a painful process, but the reward at the end of that rainbow, and I'll tell you right now, having employees is the key to wealth. I mean, you're not going to do it by yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. we hear these stories about these younger kids don't like the day trading and they're making a killing. Yeah. But one false move, man, you're SOL. Margin call. Right. Right. Something goes bad. It's a problem. And, yeah. and, and you know, when you have a lot of employees and you have a team and guys that will really work for you because they respect you because you respect them, like, wow, what a powerful tool you have. Mm. But getting there, it ain't easy. I mean, we had no employees for a long time. I mean, gee, I, I did almost 10 years in business by myself with no employees. Yeah. You know, and then it's, you know, you start managing teams and, and you're like, man, like, this is really cool when you have people that are in sync with you. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, maybe just to put put a bow on the episode here, um, you know, let's just say, put yourself in this perspective, like, you know, if there was someone listening that's like maybe, you know, getting into the corporate world or growing their own business or starting their own business, which is a big deal these days. You know, you know Gen Z is like, a much higher percentage now are have their own I don't want to call them side you said hustle earlier in the episode so I'm gonna say hustle once. I hate that word though you said it earlier so I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. say it once the, the side hustle culture type of thing where yeah. they're growing businesses you know not, not just day trading but like you know just doing like everything like they're not getting jobs yeah, in McDonald's the, the video 360 booth to rent to weddings yes. or whatever yeah. yeah everything so like you know if let's just say you can direct it towards people getting into the corporate world or people starting their own business but like what's the cliche but what's the biggest piece of advice you can give someone in that in them them shoes so if you're gonna go off on your own which eventually results in quitting your full-time job which is your mainstream of income Mm -hmm. you either need to have made enough money where you saved up at least a full year of expenses and that's dicey man two years is good Mm -hmm. when i made the jump i had about a year and a half covered i'm like you know what i cannot make a penny and i've got this Okay. okay. Plus operating, I think I have 50K of operating capital also. Right? Like I can spend this on top of my regular and do it. Mm-hmm. Or you do it the bleed through way and you get enough little things going on, which we also had some real estate revenue coming in, where it's yeah. like you can, anybody can manage a four unit building with a full time job. Okay. You could probably manage 10, you know, units with a full time job. 
it's not that hard. You, yeah, you have to go out at five o'clock and deal with a plunger when you get out or whatever. But it's a good way to get some other revenue coming in. And then you have that you can leverage as well. Okay. So, but if, if you can do that, you can get out of the rat race. But so many people talk about doing this, they never do it. And it's because they don't want to save money to invest. So if they're making, let's just say like average average household income right now, I think is like 65K in the US. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think it's in that ballpark. And I could be wrong. I didn't look this up. I just remember hearing that recently. Well, 65K, man, like, yeah, you can live and, and you can have a house, but you're not doing anything stellar. There's not a whole lot left to give up. So you might have to live real cheap, okay, so that you can save maybe 10 or 15 of that 65 in cash. Mm-hmm. And it might take you five years to do it. But now you're sitting on a full year salary and you can take that plunge and go try something. You know, you don't right. need 100K to start a business. I started my first one, I think, with five or 10 grand. Mm-hmm. So, right. so that's my take on it. There's other ways people tell you can do it now with borrowing money and everything else, but there it's all risk. If you're okay taking a loan that you don't know if you can pay it back, have at it. Mm-hmm. I was never that comfortable. I got business risk and I got debt on business like tractor trailers and stuff like that. But I know as long as I keep that thing moving, it's paying the bill. (laughs) Wheels are turning, paying bills, right? That's right. Well, I think that does it here. Might might I say that you're not half wrong in this case? I I agree you're not half wrong either, man. (laughs) Which half in this case, but that's it. Let's go. (laughs) 